this is Inside Exec. Today we're going to explore the idea that everyone speaks at least two languages. The first language is the language that you use for general everyday communication and the second language, which is probably the one that is more important for this discussion anyway, is your business language. It's the language that is your first language in the business world. It's the language that you talk when you are talking to your team, to your industry, to anyone who interacts with your business. And this is particularly relevant to me at the moment because I am dealing with people outside of my business who are speaking their own first language and expecting me as the customer to understand. And it's not the first time I've come across this. And as you know, communication is a bit of a issue for me. So I want to talk today about how you can remember that when you are talking to your customers, particularly whether they're internal or external, that you need to be mindful of the fact that you will revert to your first language, your first business language, and use your acronyms and use your sayings and use the terms that you're used to and your customer may have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. My, my very best example is that at the moment I am a week away from heading off to Barbados for the World Flower Show, which if you've listened to any of the other podcasts, you'll know it's been uh, an impending exercise for the last three years. It's only held once every three years. And so I am responsible for the Australian exhibit. I need to take Australian native plant material with me. And that has been an exercise in learning another language in terms of the bureaucracy that I have been dealing with to get quarantine certificates. The very first email and every email since has talked about a particular database called the MyCore database. And every interaction with this department has assumed that I understand what they're talking about. It's not a common knowledge database that is used in the floral world. It is particularly related to quarantine. So unless you were exporting or importing continuously, you wouldn't know about this language, this term in, the, in their language. But I was expected to understand and to know everything about it. The next step that I want to also talk about in terms of customer liaison was that they referred me to a six-step process that I needed to complete to be able to successfully export the plant material that I needed to take to Barbados. And I thought, that's excellent. I'm so happy that they've got this six-step process on the website. I'll be able to follow it. Went to the web page, very nicely laid out, Nice, clear instructions that I get through first step, get through the second step, get through to the third step. And I click on the third step and it says, here are the guidelines for exporting plant material. And I thought, well, that's even better. They've got guidelines. It'll be like a fact sheet and I'll, it'll take me through the process. I'll understand what they require, what I need to do. And it's all nice and clear. And I'm halfway through the process, all going well. So I opened the document that said guidelines to exporting plant material and I find that it's 66 pages long <laughs> and I'm still on step three. And I don't really want to look at what steps four, five and six are because I've got to read 66 pages of a protocol that relates to everything under the sun that you might want to export that comes under the realm of plant material. I do understand that they need to have it 
but I don't think it encourages anyone to actually go through with the process unless you want to do these things on a commercial basis. So again, it's about the language and about the process. Yes, this is an important process for them and this is very good because it covers everyone that might want to do it. So it's the all-encompassing answer. They don't have to look at it too often. The, the third part of this interaction has been the email process of, of contacting the department. I sent a general inquiry initially and got the automated response saying that someone from the section would respond within one to five days. I thought, well, that's okay, I suppose, but I couldn't really understand why it was going to take that long. And I got, did get an answer within 24 hours, which was excellent. And it comes from a general number. They asked for a little bit more information than I had sent them originally. So, and I responded to the email only to find that it goes back to the general. It's not an individual email, it goes back to the general email. I get the same automated response saying they'll respond in one to five days. Get another answer from the same person who said, email me back with this particular document, but make sure you send it today because I only work Monday to Thursday. And I thought, I can't send it to you directly because the only thing I can do is reply to this email that you've sent me and that goes to the general email. I don't know whether it's getting to you or not if I can't get it back to you today. And as it stands, I haven't had a response from a week, so I don't know whether it got there or not. But in the, the scheme of things, I don't. it was just a, a second checking of, of some documentation. I don't need to know that it got there particularly. But it made me think that perhaps when we set up these systems where we have one general email that all inquiries go to and all answers come from, that we are not really providing the level of customer service or confidence that customers might want in our products and services. That's my rant so far. <laughs> Six minutes. I'll let herself talk now. I, I think very, very important lessons from that experience. Firstly, the only language you should be talk, speaking and using is the recipient or participant's language, not yours. If you look at organisations, and I know I've been in organisations where my first exposure, the same as so many others as I've found out, is that you're sitting at your first meeting and the number of acronyms being used have been so long. So I start writing them down, writing them down, so then after the meeting I could educate myself what they mean. I have to say that I'm, I'm also on the National Parks Advisory Committee and the area manager reports were so full of acronyms that we actually had him, for initially for the first few years, we would guess what the acronyms meant and it was a great activity at the meetings to compare what we thought the acronyms meant. We got quite creative in the end, but towards the end of his tenure, we said, look, just give us a summary, give us a glossary of what it all means. You can still write that way, but at least give us the translation. So what happened at my first meeting in this organisation, I was writing them diligently down. They were so confusing in the sense that I didn't even know whether one of them was a name of a system, a name of a team, a name of a project, a name of anything. I couldn't even relate it. One of the, the people that been there for a few years noticed that and in a break said to me, what are you writing down? There seemed to be a list rather than notes. What is that? And I explained and said, oh, you don't have to do that. 
we know it's a problem so we have that all the time not just for you newcomers but for us existing people who've been here we actually got a book so you can look it up on the intranet and it says that so anyway that's sort of a lesson in that you don't need to why, why do you do that why don't you speak so everybody can understand immediately whether they are part of the organization whether they are your customer whether they in other areas of the organization you can say a same description of a project as quickly as you can say the acronym so I don't know what the shortcut is for so the language again if you also want to get results don't do what Kim just experienced and that is making the process so cumbersome and so long that you're invariably gonna a create more work for yourself because people are gonna either send it incomplete or they're gonna ring you to clarify keep it simple keep it simple keep it to the point and from the recipient or participants point of view anybody should be able to read it understand it and be able to respond accurately and completely to what they need to do I don't think it's an isolated incident it's certainly something that I have experienced across many institutions corporations and small businesses and it can be face-to-face -face or it can be internet-based it is about making sure that your team understands their role in the communication process and that your internal system and what you need to do to make something happen is of absolutely no interest to your customers yes you know, if I go to the bank and I want US dollars I don't care that you have to send away to get that currency I don't care whether you've got it in stock or not I just need to know that I can get it and how long it's going to take when I can get it and how much it's going to cost you know so there's no point in explaining to me that oh we will you know we need five days because we have to send away a product all I need to know is it'll take five days for me to have my result is that I want this activity to happen and how you make it happen is of no consequence to me and, and what's worse is that when that is presented your internal process is presented as the reason why I can't have something or I can only have something in a limited way you know it, that just rubs me completely the wrong way because it's not my responsibility or indeed my interest to look after your system or to know what your system is it's got nothing to do with me it's like other people's opinions of me they've got nothing to do with me that's their opinion also we need to think about if we train ourselves to speak directly and plain English everywhere that will work if we start speaking business speak if you like and in this example we're talking about your business first language that means it can be just unique to you and no one else keeps it more complicated be mindful also as the general business speak friend of a friend was saying to me how their mother comes home and speaks business at home and I said oh what does that mean anyway they gave me an example of where just I'm telling mum what happened during the day or on the football field and then she says no 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 I haven't got time just give me an exact summary <laughs> <laughs> and that's 
sounds efficient mm. and yes they should learn but you know yes. we could have worded it differently yeah. you say well why are you doing that why don't you outsource it well yes okay but you don't say that <laughs> you, you can say it again it depends if it's one of your business colleagues and you're talking about you know getting the house cleaned and you say why don't you outsource it that makes sense but if you are in a different company with the children or whatever use language that's gonna mean something to the people you're talking to and it's gonna translate in what outcome you want it to, to happen. And that's not to say that you can't use those phrases. I have the most wonderful story from my time with a retail outlet, a lolly shop. Naturally enough, got quite a range of customers come through the door and I had a family come in on this memorable day and two children, probably eight and five, and you're walking, kids walking to a lolly shop, you know, they're just in awe and often overwhelmed by the jars on the wall and all the colours and all the choices they've got. And the, these two kids were allowed to choose what they wanted within their, the budget that they had. The elder one, who was who was probably around about 10, picked out you know, the, the most sugary, the most colourful, the most uh, interesting collection of lollies that he wanted and he brought them over to the counter. And his mother said to him, looked at them and said to him with a straight face, and it was very mm -hmm. difficult for her to keep a straight face after she said it. She looked at him and he, she said, have you done a risk assessment on that choice? <laughs> and I, to this day, do not know whether she was joking or not. I don't think she was because he seemed to understand what she was asking him. Yeah. So that was obviously a, a discussion or a conversation or the language that they were used to at home. But it was so out of place for me that I couldn't quite come to grips with it. So I just focused very much on being the lolly lady and just doled out the lollies and handed them <laughs> over and took his money. That's a great example of using the, the language. But in this particular case, actually, tick all the boxes I talked about. He understood she got the right outcome. So I can't complain, but I, it was out of place at a lolly shop. Yes. Hey, Mum, <laughs> what I should have done is ask you. Yeah. What the risk assessment was. Yes. What was the result of that? No, I imagine the risk assessment is having to go to the dentist. And <laughs> well, it might have been the hyperactivity. It might have been <laughs> toiletry functions afterwards. You know, there's uh, just so many things it could have been. Uh, I think I've a lost opportunity for me to find out what it was. <laughs> Ooh, I crossed the line. Yes, we talked about uh, All right. I think we probably covered that to a certain extent it is an issue that I think will be recurring it is something that's quite close to my set of standards and I do like to see that organizations are taking on the idea that they have a business language that is their first language that they talk about internally make sure though that everyone internally understands it and that externally for your customers regardless of their internal or external customers that there is a language that should be common between you and them. That's it for today. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Brianna Osborne and this is Inside Exec.